Hey friends, welcome to episode four of the Pleasure Potential Podcast. Today's guest is Avita Sawyers. She's a non-monogamy coach and speaker and educator. She's also the creator of today's Polyamory Reminder, and she was in a groundbreaking polyamorous documentary called Polylove. She's appreciated for her vulnerable openness about her own challenges in non-monogamy and helping others to grow. And while we didn't talk about polyamory so much today, I certainly experienced her vulnerable openness and I had a wonderful time talking to her. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Pleasure Potential Podcast. Hi. How I'm are you? to be here. Uh, fantastic. Thank you. So good to be talking to you. Um, I always like to start out with asking my guests um, if they have a current favorite sexuality or pleasure-related book or podcast. And if you don't have something current, but something maybe that um, has been in your past, that has been really inspiring to you. So this year, earlier this year, um, I finished up reading uh, Pleasure Activism by mm. Adrienne Marie Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh my gosh, that book was so incredible. And I generally like thought of myself as a person who was like very connected to my pleasure and like knew exactly what it was and like, you know, felt no shame around going out and getting it and, and mm. all of those things. And mm-hmm. even I had areas where I identified ways in which I needed to to go deeper and I needed to 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 grow and evolve more with regards to my own personal pleasure um and so yeah that book was incredible and what if you don't mind you can you share a little bit about that like what discoveries you made when you read that book the discoveries that I made personally one of the ones was around my own like self-pleasure practice mm-hmm. and how I I, I I actually wrote a piece about it about how I I'm kind of like a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, kind of lover to myself, you know, it's like I get in, I get the O and I get out, you know, uh-huh. some of that is because, you know, I have kids and, you know, yeah. so it's just like, you know, I'm like re- literally like squeezing time to masturbate in between like going to pick this one up from, you know, school and whatnot. But, yeah. uh, but some of that is like my own feelings of um, like feeling a sense of like almost like a sadness or like a pitiableness that I'm having sex with myself rather than having another person to have sex with me. It's like almost something that I have to do because there's nobody else that's available. Interesting. Instead of like something that I get to do to pleasure myself and please Ooh. myself. Wow. Yeah. And so it was very, very illuminating for me of like, you know, I really don't like I, I, I set up this whole ritual for myself and I like, you know, I put on lingerie and like lit candles and music, like all these things that I would do for a lover, but I did them for myself and just spent time like touching my body and like playing with my nipples and all of these things. And I was just like, man, I think that was like the most time anyone had spent like on my nipples, like ever in my life. And I'm like, and I'm almost like 40, you know? And so I was like, wow, like you really, really, really have a long way to go in like my own pleasure mapping and like yes. my own, you know, kind of awareness of like what I really like in sex. And then also what I love so much about the book is how she talked about her celebration of her body yes, and how much she enjoyed her body. Yes. And that's a space that I haven't existed in in a very long time because I had gastric bypass surgery back in uh, 2016 and I lost about 160 pounds. So at that time, I was pretty comfortable with my body. Like, you know, like I didn't do that because I was trying to like not be overweight anymore. Like I was, you know, very comfortable with my body, but I just, you know, my knees were bothering me. I had a job where I stood on my feet all the time. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, you know, I really need to, uh, you know, kind of lose this weight because it's actually having an impact on my health. 
Right. And so it wasn't an aesthetic decision. Mm-hmm. And I think we have this like belief that the closer our bodies move to thinness, the more we're going to like them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't my experience because even though I lost weight and I got thinner and like technically I'm seen as average sized or normal size, um, I have a lot of skin. I have a lot of places where my body's just saggy. Like, you know, I didn't really like shape or sculpt or mold my body as I was doing it because I'm just not a gym person. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so I was just like, look, this weight is going to fall off and it's just going to kind of land where it lands. Yeah. And so it did. But I don't feel that sense of like excitement about my body anymore that I once did. Like, I feel like it looks weird and awkward and mm. strange and just not like reflective of like how I look in clothes. Okay. And so because of that, I don't often like celebrate or like appreciate like my nude form. Like I don't have right. like this appreciation for it that I once had. Right. Um, and so, and I still hadn't, I haven't really done work on like developing that for myself. Number one, because I was losing weight at such a rapid pace that it, it didn't, it felt superfluous to kind of do that work because I was like, my body is changing so much yes. that yes. like trying to settle on, okay, I'm going to accept this when in two, three months, it's going to look totally different. Like it doesn't kind of make sense. Yeah. And then once I finally got here, I was like, I have no like imagery of like a body like mine being yeah. seen as like, you know, being sexy or being appealing. Like you, like you can see, like, you know, you can, you can see the evidence of my story, you know, yeah. on my body. Right. So like, I, I recognize that I like need to do that work. And so much of my initial work around that was disengaging from the need to even feel like I felt like my body is beautiful in order to feel like it's worthy of the experiences that I wanted to have. Right. But like yeah. now it's like, okay, like now we need to kind of work on like actually changing your viewpoint of it so that every time you see it in the mirror, like the narrative that's going in your mind is this isn't, this looks weird. This yeah. looks wrong. This right. looks off. Like, you know, that's what's constantly kind of going. So like that yeah. about the book was like very inspiring for me of just how much she appreciated her own body and mm. talked about her appreciation of it. And then there was a part about matching your like porn proclivities to mm. your politics, which was like so revelatory for me because mm. um, I don't use porn a lot or I don't, I don't uh, consume porn often. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't judge it at all, but it's mm-hmm. just not something that I do a whole lot of. But when I do, a lot of the things that I find appealing um, or arousing to me are things that like in real life, I would never think was okay. Like, you know, okay. Like, like, okay. Real life, this is a situation that happened in real life. Uh-huh. I would never think that that was okay. And okay. I think that's part of the appeal of it is like yes. in this like fictitious, you know, situation, this thing is totally okay. Right. You know, because it's fake as opposed to being in the real world where this would not be okay. But even like a why, even in, in a fictitious sense, is this something that I find arousing? Mm-hmm. Um, like something like, you know, say someone going to an interview and having the person that's interviewing them say, if you want this job, like you have to give me a blow job or just, you okay. know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and like in the real world, if something like that happened, that would absolutely be horrible. But like, you know, in right. porn, like, you know, it's something that you can find appealing. And so totally. they had a section in there on like matching your porn proclivities to your politics, your okay. personal politics. Okay. And it really opened up a conversation or opened up, you know, a thought process for me of like, what would consuming porn ethically look like for me? Right. And so, yeah, yeah so it's a very, very, very good book. And did you change your 
your porn habits in from that or did I just did, to start think about it or like I started to think about it and I did yeah. start looking for more ethical porn yeah. producers so okay. uh, producers that are concerned with representation that are yes. representing multiple bodies multiple gender identities right you know that kind of thing and porn that is uh, directed and produced by people of color by queer yes. people by trans yes. people Yes. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I started like kind of researching, like, where is this stuff? Yes. So that way when I did, you know, cause I don't use it that often. Right. So it's kind of not a big deal, you know, right. but when I do, I actually have an outlet that I can go to so that it's not, I just don't default to it. Well, this is just where I always go because I do it so little It's right. going, Oh, okay. Like now I have more options. So let me try to you know, a different, a different outlet to see if there's something else um, there that, like I said, matches like my personal ethics. So I can start like matching my internal arousal turn to like what I want to see, like in the external world, you know, right? <laughs> so, and like making yes. those shifts. Yes, absolutely. I love that. What's been a significant aha moment in your own like sexuality or erotic pleasure journey? Right now, so, you know, I've been married for the last 17 years and my husband and I are in the process of separating right now. And so mm. I'm having to like relearn myself in regards to like what I want from relationships and sort of reinvent that. Mm. Um, and also I have this like huge void, you know, that was created by the loss of having a romantic relationship with my husband. Yeah. So like, this is like the longest that I've ever gone like without sex or, you know, I, yeah. I do have another partner, but my partner um, lives in Los Angeles. So he's about two hours away from me. So we see each other sporadically. And so like now I'm going like weeks without sex or even weeks without a hug, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or just, you know, someone being affectionate with me. And so now having to open myself up to new avenues to get those needs met yeah. that aren't in the context of like how I always experienced getting those needs met, you know, cause I had this long-term relationship. So if I wanted to have sex, all I had to do was say, Hey, can we have sex tonight? Or can we have sex sometime this week? Or, Hey, can I have a hug? Or, Hey, can I have a kiss? And it was right there. Yeah. And now that's not there. And so having to sit in the space of lack and, you know, not having access to those things and wanting access to those things while also wanting to be wise about the choices that I make in accessing those needs for myself, because not all the time throughout my life did I make wise choices in that regard. And then it ended up feeling worse, you know? Yeah. So it was like, you know, so it was kind of like fast food. So in the moment it gave me what I needed, but you know, the after effects of it weren't that great. So like having to make wiser choices about how I engage with relationships and sex and affection and and romance and all of those things in this space of feeling a sense of lack you know so mm -hmm. like it's almost like sitting down to the table or going to a buffet and you're hungry you know mm -hmm. usually if you go to a buffet and you're hungry you just pile everything on your plate and you get everything so it's like I'm having to like make these wise choices from this like place of like feeling a little starved in a way yeah and so it's it's really 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 interesting and then also you know, getting deeper in like my own work of how to give those things to myself because it just wasn't work I had to do a whole lot of yeah. because there was always someone there. There was someone there for like almost two decades of my life. And so now it's like, I, it's like, I, I have to, I have to like, okay, well, what does, you know, a self-pleasure practice look like for me? Like, you know, what is, you know, am I, am, if, if I'm feeling a sense of lack, you know, sexually, like even just reconnecting to my sensuality, like going yes. through a breakup has like really like like disconnected me from it, you know, yes. where I'm, it's like, oh, it's like, not, it's like, it's like, it, I like, I know it's there, but it's like, I can't access it or I don't have the energy to access it. Or I feel so like, 
like I'm in such a state of repair of like the rejection and the damage and all the stuff that you go through when a, a big relationship like that ends. Yes. That like, even like connecting to my sexuality, I'm like, what does that look like for me now in the context of like not having a husband yeah. and like not being a wife and not right. being married and just being single? You know what I mean? And what does, you know, connecting to my sensuality look like for me? Because so much of that process and so much of that was done in tandem with this other person that I was with. Absolutely. It's a whole new world <laughs> when you're, when all of a sudden, especially being in such a long-term relationship and such a deep mm -hmm. relationship, you know, you have children together from what I remember seeing on yeah. Yeah, um, your documentary and yeah. And just like a, a whole life together and like, and then, you know, you're so intertwined and then all of a sudden you're not, and I can imagine it, it just, it has so many tendrils in your, you know, your, your whole life, but especially your sexual you know, your sexual life. You know, we've been together for a long time. And like, I, I recognize the necessity of it, even as it is painful and I didn't want it. But, you know, the reality is that we, when we got married, we got married and we're on a trajectory that we hadn't been on in years. You know, when it really boiled down to it, the things that each of us needed fundamentally to feel fulfilled in that kind of relationship, like neither one of the other person just had. And, um, yeah. and so, you know, I was kind of like, okay, well, we can just work on it and we can figure it out. And he was just kind of tired and done. And so, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's complicated. I think even in the best of situations, you know, we're trying to do the best that we can to show up well to ourselves mm -hmm. and well to our children mm -hmm. and heal, you know, the, the things that we need to heal from our relationship. And so it's, it's dicey, you know, but mm -hmm. when I think of other you know, situations or how it could be, you know, our situation is really not that bad. I went through a really horrible breakup last year. And, and honestly, it, but the breakup was a big part of my, well, I, I was already kind of on a sexual journey, but it kind of catapulted me into like the polyamory worlds and the, and, you know, sex positivity and just like coming back to myself sexually. Um, and, you know, the breakup was, a, was a big part of it, you know, just like mm -hmm. what, what what just happened for the last four years and what do I like what am I going to learn from that like disaster right yeah and, and that's me now it's like what happened in the last 17 years I have so many moments where I'm like did I just not see this for 17 years like you know like, like you know and right. going okay what about that relationship works for me and I did want to keep because obviously something did because I stayed for you know almost 20 years of my life so there yes. were things about it that was working and functioning and what about that? Do I absolutely, absolutely know that I don't want no parts of like, you know, like what about that is something that I absolutely yeah. know that I, I just cannot, you know, I yeah. don't definitely want. And one of the issues in our relationship was sex yeah. um, because I, I had a, a very high drive and he had a very, he had a drive that was significantly lower than mine. And that caused a lot of problems, uh, you know, throughout the course of our relationship. Although I do feel like towards the end, you know, we kind of got into a groove of just acceptance, you know, it's like, okay, this is just the way this person is. And this is the way that person is. And I think we also had the added element of, you know, my partner or my husband being a cisgender male. Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, we were de dealing with me judging his lower sexual needs as something wrong with him. Cause if he's a guy, he's supposed to want it all the time, you right. know, and him, looking at me and going, you know, you know, your hypersexuality or your, 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 you know, active sexuality has something to do with you being kind of loose and immoral and, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, because you're a woman. Um, yes. and so that role reversal was a challenge. Um, but, you know, towards the end, you know, when we just started to grow and progress in our thought processes, you know, that kind of, you know, petered off. 
but definitely like that's something that like in the future like I need to pay attention to uh because if I'm going to be in a long-term relationship with someone who you know I'm nested with and all that things like that like I I'd like there to be a little bit more symmetry on the drive yeah <laughs> um, because yeah because it, it did create a lot of issues but that was like one of those things like as I'm like going through the the wreckage you know yes and you're like okay what is what didn't get destroyed and what absolutely needs to be left there you know yeah absolutely yeah I found that like my ex was there was so many good things like you said and like but like I realized that there like a big piece was like sometimes I was saying yes to things that I didn't want to say yes to Mm -hmm. you know and like because of mismatched drive and also mismatched capabilities like I have a condition um uh, on my vulva that makes penetrative sex difficult mm-hmm. and painful and so you know trying to like I was really like in reflecting after the breakup like really was like sh- like I really saw like you know don't uh, like don't say yes to something that's going to hurt your body because you're trying to please someone else yeah you know um, yeah and it comes that because that's like this consent idea right that's so important that's like we're not taught about that like which is insane to me right yeah and especially as women and like femme identified folks like you know you're supposed to please your man like it's you know like your body you're supposed to offer up kind of your body uh, to your partner's whims and desires um and really not even think about your own at all exactly you know I mean there was a you know period of time where they didn't even think that women had orgasms or they didn't have blood you know what I mean and so so, you know, we weren't seen as, you know, our pleasure, my body's comfort um, matters. And also we have such a limited perception of like what sex is. Yes. That like, even like in the sense of like your condition, um, there are so many other things that can be done that are pleasurable. Yes. Um, but if we have this like limited perception of what sex is, then it almost feels like, well, if we didn't do the PIV thing, yep. we yep. didn't have sex. Exactly. And so, yeah. And so it, it's really challenging uh, sometimes trying to break down and unpack all that as mm-hmm. we're still uh, trying to relate to one another and relate to ourselves. Yes. Yes. All of this, all of the conditioning that we have around um, sex and our bodies and, you know, like, uh, you know, one of the big things I'm, I'm working on is like learning to love my pussy again mm-hmm. <laughs> or for the first time. Right. Like, just realizing, you know, as I'm on this journey, especially it's picked up recently. Um, obviously I'm, I'm doing a sexuality podcast. I mean, I'm, I'm all in, but um, just so the conversations I've been having in the books and stuff about, you know, and just learning about pussy shame and pussy hatred and, and especially with a condition where, uh, you know, it's like, I've been trained that I need to have, I need to have a dick in my pussy for pleasure and sex. Right. And I, I'm t- I have to turn that all inside out and upside down for me to ha- to like figure out what I, to, for me to have a fulfilling, pleasurable sex life. I have to find a, f- a totally different p- way, right? It's like right, it, it, like that doesn't work for me. So it's it's interesting. It, it's 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 lovely though. I think that. Do you find that? Um, do you find that like a your sexual journey uh, or erotic pleasure journey is is um like how does it feel to you like is it is it feel exciting or does it feel annoying I have moments like, where yeah. it's exciting yeah um I've had a few recently where mm-hmm. like I was like oh like mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Where that, where it's exciting. I love learning new things about myself and like that, that, that journey of self-discovery and, you know, finding that even at 40, you know, almost 40, I can still surprise myself. You know, I can still, you know, surprise, yeah. learn something new. And so that part I enjoy. I think some of it feels a little intimidating sometimes because it's like, like it's, it's such a wide world. And especially now with the work that I do and the, the communities that I run and I'm like, there's so much out there. Yeah. And that it can sometimes feel a little intimidating. Yes. And then sometimes in some ways it can sometimes feel a little isolating just because as you, well, I have a friend who says this and it, it, it it's going to sound elitist and that's not the way I'm trying to make it sound. But what they said was the higher you go up on the elevator, the less people there are on it, you know? Mm, okay. And so sometimes it feels like as you do this work to unpack and open up and break free from these paradigms. Mm-hmm. Um, and these these like things that we've learned um, about sex and sexuality and pleasure, sometimes it, it can feel like there are less people to connect to on that because yes. like you're just not on the same page. So like even, you know, the other day I, or, you know, I, I met this guy on the beach and um, he was interested in me and I had a kid free weekend. I'd taken the kids to go see their dad. And so I was like, oh, well, let me kind of, you know, hang out with this guy and, you know, see if, mm-hmm. you know, we can enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so frustrating, like interacting with him because like, you know, mm-hmm. I was like trying to have a conversation. I'm, I'm like, Hey, let's just hang out. He clearly wanted sex, which there's nothing wrong with that, but he wouldn't clearly state it. Yeah. So that was frustrating because I was like, you know, and then I, I wasn't wanting to have sex with him at all. So mm-hmm. like, I was trying to like, say like, Hey, let's, let's hang out like at a public place. And he kept trying to get me to come back to his house. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no. And then I was like, and even if I were like, we'd have to have a conversation about expectations. Right. And, you know, like I said, he wouldn't plainly say that he wanted to have sex. And right. you know, then I was like, okay. And then now I said, so now I'm not interested, you know, in that I said, and also, even if we were like, I would want to have a conversation around safer sex practices, expectations, STI staff. So like sometimes it feels like the more I expand in this, like the less people I have. Like, I, that makes total sense, right? To because interact with. the um, more, well, the more you're respecting yourself in your pleasure, like it's because again, it's like we're we're, we're all, it's like we're not taught self-respect and and converse having communication and you know all of the things that as sex positive people, like that's what we're trying to do, right? Yeah. So it's like there's more involved. It's not just like hey, let's, you know, let's meet up and fuck. And, you know, it's like, it's not like that. And so, yeah, it's, it makes perfect sense. And I didn't even think of it that way. It's like, things are, yeah, and I mean, things it, are those, more complicated. Yeah, those things are okay. And I, I'm open to yes. having those experiences. Well, but like totally, when yeah. I want them, and even then they still come with like, you know, this well, kind yes. of like, I remember one time I was at a conference and I hooked up with uh, someone that was there and it was like my first experience of this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want this all the time because like, you know, and it was very like quick, like, you know, um, it was very like, hey, are you with it? I'm with it. Cool. Yeah. Bet, you know, meet yeah. me at my hotel room. And we did. Yeah. But like in the split second, like right before they were just like, hey, this is my status. This is whatever. Da, 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 da. We got through it. And then we, we got together and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I was like, this is like, hooking up 2.0 like I was like this is what I want like you know this is you know but uh, but finding people that you can do that with sometimes can be a little challenging and so it's it's, it you know and I mean I think that's just about anything in life the more intentional you know you are about anything that you do some in some ways the more complicated it becomes and the, the it's not as like like I said it's not like just going out meeting some random at a bar and saying hey let's go hook up like you know you're intentional now you're a lot more intentional about how you engage in it Right. Yeah. Right. Which is what, which is what I used to do. 
you know. I mean, so, I've done it too before too, and I'd probably, I mean, I'd likely do it again if I felt like it. But, yeah. You know. Well, true. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's true. I I, I enjoy it, though. I, I'm finding um, with the with more intentionality and and thought, th- thinking through things and what I want and you know what's important and you know just like taking this like intentional journey. I I, I feel like it leaves space for ex- discovery and just like newness. Like there's, it's a new feeling. It's like a, a new way of being in the world as a sexual mm-hmm. being, you know? And it like, yeah, it, it feels exhilarating. I, 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 it is exhilarating. I had a, an instance recently. So I'm not a platonic cuddler by any stretch of the word. Like I, I'm not, yeah. I have a very low touch, touch I'm, bandwidth, you know, I'm so I don't, yeah, I'm not I feel I'm like it. when I see people in cold coming to cuddle bot, I'm like, nope, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> group hugs. Right oh my God. Here. Group hugs give me an anxiety attack. <laughs> right. Like I'm like, nope, I'm good. Yeah. I'm gonna sit right over here. Yeah, but you guys yeah. enjoy that. And so I'm kind of yeah. like that. And then because I have such a high drive and such a low touch bandwidth, the yeah. touch that I like to engage in the most is sexual, you know? Uh-huh. So um, but lately I've been feeling very touch starved. Um, just with COVID and then my marriage ending, you know, my yeah. partner living very far away from me. So like being in the sense of feeling touch starved is really strange. Yeah. And then I also have, like I said, I have a very high sex drive. So recently I interacted with someone who is a friend of mine and they happen to be in town on business. And they were like, hey, like, you know, just come hang out in my hotel room. We can cuddle, you know, spend the night together and not do anything. Yeah. And for me, I was like, what? Like, you know, because uh, number one, I'm attracted to the person, but also I've literally just never had that experience before. Like where I just laid in the bed with someone and we, you know, cuddled and whatever and hung out and someone that I was sexually attracted to. Mm -hmm. And, and I didn't attempt to do anything. You know, the boundary was already established that that was not going to happen. They didn't attempt to do anything with me. It stayed right at what we did. Mm. And I still found it deeply fulfilling. Like I was deeply fulfilled by that. I felt really good. You know, I enjoyed it. You know, I wouldn't have changed anything about it. Like I, even if it was like, okay, like if you could go to some alternate universe where you actually did, you know, were able to uh, be sexual with one another, I'd have been like, nah, like, you know what I mean? Exactly what happened was exactly what was supposed to happen. And it was very exciting to me because I was like, oh, like it, like I said, it was this thing that would like shatter this like perception that I had of myself that I just can't do this. You know, that this, that there's no situation that I would be, I would do this in that I would find fulfilling or appealing. Interesting. There's always room for change, it seems. <laughs> right. What do you think, like, what shifted, like, for you? Like, was it, like, how, like, why, like, I'm curious about, like, why you, is it because you were just like, I just need something right now and this sounds good? Or, like, like because the, like, I'm just wondering how that shifted for you from, like, oh, I'm not into that to, yeah, let's try this. I think, so the person that I was with was a cis man. And I think that I've been really trying to work on like healing my relationship to men and masculinity, especially Mm. with like my marriage ending and stuff and just a lot of different things that have been happening. Like I've had a couple of situations recently where I feel like like the men, these like important men have like really, really let me down. And Mm. um, and I've also been wanting to do that work in general because I think it's 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 very easy as women to slip into this. Just men are just horrible because of just patriarchy and just the way they show up to us in the world yes and and that's totally valid like if someone if women feel that way like I'm not judging that but for me myself personally like that's not how I want to move through the world I have sons yeah like you know I just don't want to do that and so I've been wanting to do a lot of healing around um, my relationship to masculinity Hmm. and and 
part of the ways in which I recognize that like in some ways I sort of perpetuate like my own reality with men mm-hmm. is that I'll say things like, well, they just want sex or the, oh, that's all they're looking for or whatever. But I have a high drive and I often interact with men that I want sex from in a very sexual way. Yeah, I kind of yeah. do the same thing. Okay. And so for me, it was about challenging my experience of like interacting with a man that I know that I would like to have more from or experience Mm. more with Mm -hmm. and just being grateful for and just accepting what we had in that moment. Yeah. Um, And not needing to like, like pressure him to give me more because it was what I wanted. Yeah. Um, And then also learning how to slow down when it comes to interacting with people and mm-hmm. like develop more, like, you know, explore intimacy in other ways. Like yes. even my, my, my current partner that I have, it's a conversation that we talk about because when we're together sexually, I'm like a gobbler is what I call it. Like, you know, like, I'm like, <laughs> I, yeah, I want, I want blah, 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 blah. like, you know, I want to get it right into it. And he's much more of like a slow down, saver, yes. you know, sumptuous, you know, yeah. kind of person and like needing to like work on being like I said slowing down in that Mm -hmm. process and just Mm -hmm. enjoying being Mm -hmm. with another person enjoying you know having someone that I I feel safe with and it's not that I don't find the person attractive or you know would not you know be open to doing that with them or you know none of those things are true but being able to sit with each other have attraction for each other and not have to make that happen yeah. you know, and just enjoy this, enjoy the energy that was there in this and, 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 and still have that be fulfilling yeah. and be okay with like, you know, if we get an opportunity to do that at some point in our lives, like great, but like, if yeah. we don't, and this is all that we share, that this is like really, really awesome, you know, and, and, you know, um, to be appreciated as well, instead of being like, oh man, we didn't do anything. Cause that's normally me. It's like, ah. yeah, you know, like, crap, like, you know, we yeah. didn't do anything, but have <laughs> that be enough because I think some of the ways in which I showed up in my dating interactions and in my romantic and sexual interactions were off-putting to some people because I held that expectation of wanting more. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Wow. What a revelation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And I think too, it's like, uh, like that's where it's like, that's where things can happen that you might not expect too, right? When you leave a little bit more space and a little bit more sensuality or a little bit more, you know, um, less sexual energy, that's maybe more, just more, um, uh, more of like a, a safe, comforting energy. But like, there's, I mean, I just feel like a lot can happen in that space if, yeah. You know, think we also don't like we don't think that just as you know we come into situations with expectations like the other person comes into situations with expectations as well and anxiety about what your expectations are you know what I mean so yeah right and so if they know you know that you're wanting more than they're comfortable with or whatever you know that can set up a level of anxiety and angst because it's like well if this person tries to you know draw from that and I'm not open to it, or I, you know, assert my boundary of like, no, nah, I'm not there. Like, is it going to be a problem? Like, are they going to get upset? Are they going to feel rejected? Am I going to do it? And all the angst and anxiety that comes um, with that. Yes. Um, and so like being able to sit in a space with someone where it's like, hey, 
you know, we can do this thing that would typically be shared with people that would likely be, you know, engaging in some kind of sexual interaction with each other, but that's not what we're going to do. And we've established that ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're just going to enjoy this energy with one another. Like I said, for me, it was a little bit, it was a little bit selfish because I was like, well, I like the guy. So like, you know, whatever I can get. Yeah. But also (laughs) it was a little bit, it was also experimental for me of like going like, you know, what is this going to be like for me? Cause normally this is something that I probably would have been like, nah, like, you know, um, (laughs) you know, the way my sex drive is set up, I just would rather not do that. I'd rather not even set myself up for that. Yeah. Um, And so I'm really grateful that I was open to going like, well, let me see, you know, Um, I might surprise myself because I actually really did. I really did surprise myself. Right. That's rad. I I love that. I think that I don't know. I get excited with stuff like that because I, I feel yeah, like- it was exciting. Like I was like, yeah. oh, and so it, it opened up, like I said, it expanded my world of like, totally huh, like, so now that I recognize that there are instances or there are circumstances that can be in place that can allow me to enjoy this, mm-hmm. what other avenues or what other, you know, opportunities are there for me to, you know, enjoy this in ways that are fulfilling. So I was, it, it made my world a little bigger, which I yeah. appreciate. And I think that's the part about that, that sexual exploration um, that I enjoy is just the expansion, you know, yes. it's making your world a little bigger yes. um, in ways. It's so true. I, I like, we, you know, coming back to what we were talking about earlier, let's like sex is penis and vaginas, you know, like that's what sex is. And when I, when I was dealing with this condition in the beginning, I, I mean, obviously I, you know, I was like, I was, I felt broken. I felt hopeless. I felt, you know, because if I can't have, you know, I mean, I can have it, but it's like, it, you know, if that is that, if, if I have trouble with that, what am I going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. And so like the, like the explosion now and the expansion that's happening, it's like, oh my gosh, there's a whole nother world, you know, like there's so right. many things like, you're, you know, there's just like so much more like, and, and that is incredible because, you know, sexual energy and sexual power is, so important and and it's squashed in a lot of us and or semi squashed even or partly squashed you know and i'm feeling this like as i'm getting my sexual power back and just just that energy is coming back and it's flowing more healthily um it's like i can feel my life changing you know mm-hmm. can feel like creative energy and just power and 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 confidence and um so anyways i think that um yeah, expansion is it. Expansion's where it's at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's um I think where I struggle with that is I'm relatively like self-aware. So like the thought of me like not knowing myself, not that I feel like I'm going to find anything that I haven't discovered, but like that's foreign for me. You know what yeah. I mean? So I feel like, you know, like yeah, like I'm like, well, I know myself pretty well because, you know, I'm a, you know, pretty self-aware person. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm like, there's this like whole like landscape now, like with the removal of my marriage that has opened up to me to like reinvent myself and like, you know, rediscover like what truly genuinely like works for me in the context of like being a single individual in the world, you know, right now it just looks like a really dark chasm. (laughs) 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 Because of what's going on. Yeah. Um, And I'm, you know, I'm making my way through it, you know, because I, I, one of my, my personal mantras is like, feel the fear and do it anyway, you know? So that's kind of how I'm approaching it. Yeah, yeah, but it is a little like, oh my gosh, like, you know, here I am at 40. Yeah. And which I mean, isn't by, it's not the end of the world by any stretch, you know, no. um, 
of the word, but like, it's like, you know, I guess I kind of, I think we have this belief that like by this age, we should already like have everything kind of figured out. Totally. Instead of like, we should not, not like, I'm just starting. Like, you know what I mean? On figuring it out. I'm literally, I'm 41 and I'm just, I mean, kind of, I started a while ago, but then it kind of got stunted with the relationship. So I feel like I'm 41 and just starting. And it's like, yeah, it's like, whoa. Like, it's actually like, I think just a reflection of our society, honestly. I mean, I'm not putting it, you know, I want to take responsibility, obviously, but. No, you're right. We don't live in a society that encourages us to know ourselves. We live in a sex negative society, really. I mean, I heard somebody say that and I feel, I think it was Tristan, you know, Tristan Tormino. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's like, I was like sex negative culture. I'm like, that's exactly it. Like I had never heard that term, but I was like, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, it is a very sex negative culture and even things that can appear like sex affirming aren't. Right. You know, because they're only affirming for a very limited swath of human beings. Yes. And so is that really like, you know, sex positivity? If it, if we only, you know, believe that a very limited, you know, yeah. number of beings, you know, uh, yeah. if you're, you know, white, white. thin, yep. attractive, Hetero, heterosexual, able-bodied, yes. neurotypical, like, yes. you know, that's me. Yes. Like, you know, Totally. So, um, so if yeah. we only believe that a very small swath of humanity is, yeah. you know, worthy of sexual pleasure, like that is not real sex, you know, positivity. No. So, and so, yeah, so we live in a very sex negative culture and we're not encouraged to explore ourselves and explore our sexualities. And also we're not encouraged to see those things as not aesthetic. You know, yeah. so we see them as like, okay, so whatever you kind of figure out about yourself, like that's pretty much just going to persist throughout the entirety of your life. And it's not a continual process of self-examination and right. continual process of revisiting, a right. continual process of like adding and subtracting and expanding and contracting. And that's going to follow you throughout the course of your entire, like, you know, sexual, you know, sexual activity period. Right. And so, yeah. And so we're just not, we're not really encouraged to kind of explore ourselves um, as human beings with regards to pleasure. Um, And because of that, you know, we have the society that we kind of live in. Sex is supposed to be the shameful taboo thing, you know, that we we don't talk about and we don't explore. We're supposed to be afraid of in ourselves and afraid of in others. Totally. Um, And it's, it's not that it's not true at all. I know it's, it's nuts to me. Honestly, I, I like, I, I, I get like, I got mad. I get mad sometimes, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I can't, I, I've been, I've like, how many years of my sexual life have I like wasted? Honestly, I mean, I, I, I you know, I try not to live in the anger too long, but like, it, right. You know, it yeah, I like, try to believe like we arrive to things when we arrive to them, yes. you know? So like, I try to think to myself, like if totally. I arrived to it at a different period in my life, I probably wouldn't have been ready. Right. You know, so we like arrive to things when we arrive to them, but also that feeling of like, I really would have liked to like know more about this while I had like better knees, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, I had more stamina, like, you know? Right, totally. <laughs> That's so funny. I love to ask everybody this. What is something that you wish everybody knew about women's sexuality? Mm, that's a really good question. What is something that I wish everyone knew about women's sexuality? I wish that 
everyone knew that a woman's sexuality is individual. So I wish that men and masculine-identified folks knew that. And I also wish that women and femme-identified folks knew that as well, that it's individual, that it's not a one-size-fits-all, that it belongs to the individual, that it is their job to figure out what that looks like for themselves, that no one is entitled to it, yeah, and that they are not obligated you know, to, to give it to anyone, that it is a very individual thing, that women's sexuality is a very individual thing. It's not for consumption. Yeah. It's not for objectification. You know, it doesn't exist the same in every single solitary woman. So every woman's body doesn't work the same. Every woman's, you know, vulva doesn't respond the same, that it is a highly, highly, highly individualized thing. Yeah. And that it's like time that we really treated women's sexuality as individual as the individuals that, that, that women are. Um, it's yeah. highly individual. And that also that it is not, it's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to be afraid of. It's something to be encouraged. It's yeah. something to be, you know, brought forward. It's something to be celebrated. You know, you know, we should celebrate women's sexuality. It's something to be celebrated and, and not something to be afraid of, yeah. oppressed, stamped out, judged, um, but it's something to be appreciated and celebrated. And the word is, is, is revered. Yeah. Something to be, to, to be revered. Amen. (laughs) Amen. I got chills. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I, I wish, I mean, I could talk to you all day. Um, this was amazing. This was a great conversation. I loved I, it. Like, I, I, like I, I'm, I'm going to listen to it to like write down what I said, because yes. like, you asked me things that made me have to give answers to like questions that I, I hadn't really thought about. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, like we're learning new things about ourselves right now, Vita. Like we don't have enough spaces where we're allowed to just talk about sex and mm-hmm. where we can just do it freely. And I'm, I'm trying to create that. So I just really appreciate your time and your energy and your um vulnerability and and you as a person i love i you know i follow you on you know on social media and i just you know i just appreciate you and you know what you're putting out there it's it's amazing thank you yeah yeah um it may, hearing that makes it worthwhile so <laughs> good yeah, <laughs> yeah no so. you're doing great things in the world well there you have it episode four i'm so happy to have reached this milestone and i really appreciate you listening friends please follow me on instagram at pleasure potential and if you enjoy my work please go to buymeacoffee.com and search pleasure potential podcast you can find all of evita's information in the show notes along with any resources that were mentioned in the episode Have a wonderful day, my friends.